11 o'clock every Friday. We look forward to this. It's eating time with one of our our favorites, the grill master himself, Belton Johnson, who joins me this morning. Belton, thanks for being here. Hey, glad to be here, Evan. How's it going this morning? Good, good. You know, I started the day off today with a discussion with uh, Jim Hobson. What a what a leader, what a gentleman that fellow is. He absolutely is a leader. You know, with uh, Mr. Hobson, as I always call him, uh, he was, uh, you know, when I first got with the Riders there and everything, he was the, the man, the captain of the ship and everything. And I have nothing but good things to say about Mr. Hobson, man. Yeah, he's he's got a fight on his hands right now, but boy, we had a good conversation this morning, and uh, I'm actually going to revisit it just after twelve today as well. If anybody missed it, you'll be able to catch it then. But I just I just think this fella is always so positive, right in the middle of the battle of his life, and he's still seeing fit to uh, give accolades to others and uh, generous with his his gift of love and time, and and I think it's inspirational. It is, and and um, Evan, you know, I was diagnosed. Uh, maybe you don't know, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer almost a year ago, like coming up February thirteenth. And you know, after surgeries and all that stuff uh, to remove, and uh, it was Mister Hops, and uh, you know, reached out to me, and you know, just you know, even though he was going, he was going through his thing too, right? Reached out to me and just said, Belton. You know, you you stay you stay positive, you stay upbeat, you stay yourself and everything. You have a platform, and you know, when you know, just that conversation that we had there and everything is like, you know, almost it was, you know brought tears to my well, Of course, right? it and, did. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, he's definitely uh, guided me on things in the past and. Uh, like I said, I have nothing but good things to say about Jim. He's, you know, very positive, upbeat, like you stated there. Yeah, super, super. Good. And we talked a bit about the riders too. He's he's pumped for the season. He says his plan is to be sitting in a seat at the stadium to see Game One for sure of this year's uh, rider season. Speaking of which, the riders are putting a team together. Coaching staff last week, this week we hear about Lawther, uh, McLaurin, Blake. They're building steam, building the team. What do you think? Hey, when when I heard about Blake as me being a uh, form whole lineman, that I jumped up. I was happy yeah. because there's there's another piece to the puzzle, right? So uh, with me, I'm just waiting to see how they handle these offensive tackles because I am pumped up about the season as I am every year and everything because every year is different. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I wanted to stay on the uh, football theme for a second before we get into the uh, recipe today. Jim Harbaugh moving to the Chargers. My son is a big Chargers fan. He's excited. What do you think? This uh, Is this what they needed? I, I think Harbaugh, he's been a winner everywhere he's been, even when he was the quarterback for the Colts uh, and everything. You know, I think he made it to the play the Steelers or something, got the Colts that far at least. And I think it's a win. And you know what? Um, the Chargers, they got who's the quarterback? Uh, Herbert there, right? Yeah. So you got Harbaugh, former quarterback. Herbert, who is a quarterback, that's a great pairing, I think. And he's going to bring in some of the more offensive-minded uh, coaches and everything. Look out, Chargers. Yeah, they could be uh, They could be a force. But for this year, we've got, uh, we're down to four playoffs this weekend. Quickly, let's talk about these games. Chiefs, Ravens. What do you think? It feels as though 
the Chiefs are fan favorites, but I wonder how much of that is just all of the outside stuff that comes with the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs, this they're going to be playing in their sixth straight AFC championship game uh, this Sunday, right? And, you know, lately that offense has been clicking. But I think this game is going to come down to the trenches. It's going to be the Ravens uh, D-line versus the Chiefs O-line. And I'm actually I'm going with the Ravens at home. I'm going. I told Greg this morning, thirty to twenty. Write it down, because <laughs> so write it down. Write it down. He tried to tell me a score. I'm like, nope. Write mine down as well. <laughs> well, it'll be good. They're they're pretty evenly matched teams, that's for sure. And they then are. there's this kind of uh, I've called it the Cinderella story with the Lions. I'm not a big Detroit Lions fan. I think they're going to be in tough against the 49ers. But man, I'm finding myself pulling for the Lions. And and you can't help but the pull for the Lions, right? Because they've been the underdogs pretty much, you know, maybe except for last week against the Bucks and everything. But they've been the underdogs. And you know what? I think it's the coach that we kind of like as well there. Uh, coach Campbell, Dan Campbell, is, 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 you know, that toughness, that grit and everything. And it seems like that team has taken on the personality of the coach there. But the 49ers – that defense, Jared Goff's record against the 49ers over the number of years when he was with the Rams, I am going with the 49ers 29-20 there, Evan. You twice in a row now. You led me down one path and then you dropped the you dropped the axe. You're like you're talking about the Chiefs, you're pumping them up, but I'm going with the Ravens. Then you did the same with the Lions. Okay, so you're picking the Ravens and the 49ers. It's a big weekend of football. Are you even going to be able to watch it, aren't you, in Moose Jaw again, coaching with the SAS Selects? Uh, I am in Moose Jaw. I know the game starts at 2 o'clock. I should be done coaching on Sunday uh, before that time. So, And it's only, what, a 45-minute drive? So um, hopefully my daughters aren't watching Bluey on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> you fight for the remote on that one, I guess. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, Belton. Well, it is eating time, and uh, what have you got for us today? Well, today, Evan, what we got is, I'll call it a championship meal, because this is what I might have uh, Sunday here, beer and garlic beef pot roast. So mm. with this with this recipe, first thing you want to do is get a pot roast. Uh, you want to get it nice and dry and everything. And once you got it dried, uh, you want to get a... Uh, the tip of a sharp paring knife and start making slits all over the pot rolls. Once you got those slits, what you want to do is insert garlic cloves uh, into the meat uh, where you made the slits, right? And what we're going to do, we're going to season it with salt, pepper, some grainy mustard, and always say this, we're going to cover every nook and cranny. There we go. I knew it. I I check it off. I've got my belt and checklist, and I hear it once at least a week. There we go. And so once we got everything covered, seasoned, and we're going to put it in the crock pot, right? And we're going to add one can. Here's my secret ingredient, that Guinness beer. I like the dark beer when it comes to beef and everything. Uh, we're going to cover it. We're going to cook it on low for about six to eight hours or until that roast is fork tender. Are you still there? With I'm with you, although I'd dump three-quarters of the beer in and finish the rest <laughs> myself, but keep going. <laughs> there you go. So once that uh, roast is fork tender, we're going to remove the roast from the crock pot to the cutting board, 
and I like to cover it with uh, foil just to keep it warm and let those uh, liquids transfer back and throughout the meat. And remember, there's liquid in the crock pot. So what we're going to do is take that liquid from the crock pot, put it on the put it in the saucepan, and we're going to heat it, and we're going to reduce it in half. We're going to cook it for about 10 minutes or so on the stove top. We're going to just gradually add in cornstarch slurry, which is a mix of cold water and cornstarch. We're going to heat it till it thickens and everything. And all we got to do is add a little bit of uh, salt, pepper for taste. And once we got that sauce ready, Evan, here's my favorite part. We're going to slice that meat. We're going to uh, lay it out on a nice plate there and everything, your favorite plate. Put some of that gravy uh, on there. Get some mashed potatoes and my wife's favorite, uh, her honey glazed carrots. And guess what, Evan? What, Belton? It's eating time. It's eating time. I love it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is awesome. The beer and garlic beef pot roast. You can get that recipe online, on our website, on our Facebook page. And Belton, as always, you have uh, impressed us. Hey, I like to impress, but I'm t- this is championship worthy. So you have a great football weekend here. <laughs> Thanks so much, Belton. Good luck in Moose Jaw, and uh, we'll see if your predictions come true. Uh, I'll be holding you to this next week when we chat. Yes, sir. Take care, Belton. That's Belton Johnson, and it's eating time every Friday. Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Bring Belton to us so that we can hear a great recipe, but it's always good to check in with Belton. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, nothing nothing there but admiration from Belton Johnson to Jim Hobson. I mentioned that I had a chat with Jim first thing off the, uh, off the top this morning at 8.36. Jim joined me as a guest, and I'm actually going to replay that interview for you just after 12 as well. A lot of people... Uh, we're sad they missed it. You can always catch it too. We, we replay all of the segments. You can go on to the website. You can go on to wherever you get your podcasts and you can find certain chunks of the show and re-listen to it if you want. And Jim Hobson, of course, just an incredible fella. He's got a fight on his hands. There's no doubt about it. Diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, a few years back, it's three years now. I think 2021 was the diagnosis and uh, yet he still in the face of that, remains very positive and continues to be the incredible leader that we know him to be in our province. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, it's been a big week following uh, some different court cases and uh, legal things that have been going on in the world. Uh, We talked earlier today about this ruling from the federal court on the Emergencies Act. The fact that it was used to clear the Freedom Convoy was ruled unreasonable, unjustified, and violated the charter. We were looking for uh, lots of reactions on that. We talked to a few different people, including Dwight Newman, a law professor at the University of Saskatchewan. He's an expert on constitutional law. I was curious to know his thoughts on, you know, does does this have an impact on how it might be used in the future? Well, this ruling is going to uh, set the legal parameters, if upheld on any appeal, set the legal parameters uh, to say that it can only be invoked in narrow circumstances uh, following proper procedure. And this ruling and any appeal rulings sort of set the tone for that procedure. 
uh, it's still meant to be available in an emergency and sort of not cumbersome procedures, but it's only supposed to be available in quite narrow circumstances, according to this ruling. And this will be a, a clarifying precedent for any future uses. Of course, moments after the ruling came out, uh, Deputy Prime Minister Krista Freeland said they will be appealing the ruling. So we'll see where the dust settles on this. Also, we were following the court case in Prince Albert of the Saskatchewan Mountie, who was accused of killing his lover. That court case we followed closely. Nigel Maxwell, who's the senior reporter for PA Now, did a great job of covering that and joined us yesterday to reveal that the judge came back with a decision of guilty of manslaughter. The sentencing will be not heard now until later in the spring. I think it's April. And the judge has specifically asked for a Gladue report on this. The Gladue report, this comes back, this dates back from 1999. It was a Supreme Court ruling where when a judge is determining a sentence for an individual who is found guilty and is indigenous, has an indigenous ancestry, they want to take into consideration background information like discrimination in their life, abuse, uh, their separation from culture in the case uh, of, of Bernie Herman, who is the RCMP officer found guilty here, uh, they might even dig into his RCMP career and understand how his his uh, identity as an Indigenous man was affected through a career in policing. That's what the Gladue report is about. Whenever a sentencing hearing happens, of course, the, the judge hearing the case will take into consideration have they been charged with offenses in the past? What, you know, what is their behavior? Do they show remorse? They take those. But Gladue, which came into effect in 1999, took it a step up for people that are found guilty and are Indigenous. And so that will be uh, kind of wove into the decision-making that we will be hearing from the judge. And again, that's going to be happening in April. So we'll we'll continue to follow that one. The, uh, how about the uh, U.S. election trail? You don't hear a lot about Joe Biden, it seems. I mean, when, when the uh, the recent... New Hampshire primaries happened. I mean, Joe Biden didn't even have his name there. They did some kind of a mail-in vote, and he was he he won by fifty-two percent or something like that. But you hear about Trump, right? Donald Trump in that uh, primary in New Hampshire was up against Nikki Haley. Of course, that's all that's left in the race is Trump and Haley. Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador, Trump wins. I think forty uh, fifty-five to forty-five percent of the vote is is the way it went. If you listen to Nikki Haley afterwards, though, you would have never known that she didn't win. Sure, her opening to her speech sounded like she actually won. Thank you, New Hampshire, for the love, the kindness, the support, and a great night here tonight. Thank you so much. And, and Nikki Haley went on to talk about basically what a Trump win would mean, and it really is is what it would mean for the Democrats. A Trump nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Harris presidency. So you can tell where Nikki Haley is going on that. And she she isn't uh, shy to throw out the odd barb at uh, Donald Trump about his age, about his, you name it. With Donald Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment. You can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. <laughs> that senior moment. That's a that's a slam definitely at both Trump 
and Biden for sure. But is this going to be enough to get her a win in South Carolina, which is where they're headed? Lots of people still say that Haley is is still in the running. They've got South Carolina, Michigan coming up, and Super Tuesday at the beginning of March, of course, has 16 primaries that are happening on that day. And a lot of people say that is the day where you definitively find out who is going to be representing the GOP. They say don't get your hopes up that Iowa and New Hampshire are predicting correctly the pick. A lot of people like to point to the fact that those two have had it wrong in the past, and it doesn't mean they have it right now. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is is hurling slurs towards Nikki Haley, telling her she's got to accept the fact that she's lost. He poked fun at her dress the other night. He, he clearly is uh, doing what he normally does, which is uh, kind of talking down about anybody else around him, if they're not him, and talking about what he's going to do, really focusing on immigration. That's going to be a big part of the platform we're going to hear from Donald Trump, for sure, as things build towards the election. And it's forcing the Democrats' hand, too. You know, it's interesting. I saw an article the other day about Donald Trump, and the article speculated that even the number of like late-night talk show hosts and comedians that are doing Donald Trump jokes and impressions is having an impact on his popularity, which... I don't know. I mean, it's that whole notion of, you know, no, any press you get is good press. By the way, have you heard Shane Gillis? Shane Gillis is a comedian that does a Trump impression that I swear is as good as Donald Trump himself. Trump gave what I think was probably one of the greatest speeches of world leaders given, you know, it's got to be up there with like Churchill, Gettysburg Address. Is the night the United States killed the leader of ISIS. Trump comes out of the Situation Room at like midnight in the White House and he walks down that tunnel like he's, he gives a press conference, like he's giving a post-game NBA. He just goes, Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi is dead. He died like a dog. We could hear him crying, I said, Abu, don't cry. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Abu cried, he cried quite a bit. I wouldn't have cried. <laughs> cry baby Baghdadi, that's what we were all calling. <laughs> Shane Gillis, he is uh, his, I think his Trump is the best impression I've heard. But then I see this report that basically says the more people that do impressions of Trump and the more late night talk show hosts that make jokes, the more popular he becomes. It's like that, you know, he becomes part of the culture of dialogue and discussion when it comes to politics. So I don't know, because the jokes write themselves. So I don't think we're going to see it stopping anytime soon, but U.S. politics, much like politics up here, is uh, continuing to be interesting and will continue to follow it. You're listening to The Evan Bray Show on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.